This morning we hear God's word from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. And we hear it and invite you to open your Bibles if you would have one available. It will also be on the screen. We hear these words from God this morning. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is God's word for us. I must confess that I'm a little troubled uh, this morning. So often through the years, I've sung great hymns of, of the faith, especially uh, surrounding uh, Independence Day. Songs like God Bless America, America the Beautiful, with their words of, with their words such as, God shed his grace on me, on, on thee, and crown your good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Or God, mend your flaws. Or God, shed your grace upon us, as my country Tissily speaks about. I have a hard time singing those songs these days. Because it seems like we are living in a time in our country when uh, freedom means freedom to do anything other than what God has said. In fact, we seem to be a country that is more bent on, on freedom from God than freedom under God. And yet, I titled this message, Let Freedom Ring. Let Freedom Ring because our passage says that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me, among other things, to proclaim freedom for the captive. So this morning I want to think about these words and think about it in terms of what it meant or what it seemed to, to have meant in the days of Isaiah and King Hezekiah. What it meant in light of Jesus when he uses these words and what it means for us today. What did these words mean in the days in which Isaiah first wrote them. Isaiah prophesied he was a prophet who lived in Jerusalem, who served under some really great kings. Hezekiah was one of them. In fact, in Second uh, Kings, the writer of the history of the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah especially, notes that Hezekiah was one who was like no other. He was 
a follower of God, a servant of God in the ways of David and Solomon. Everything he did was a blessing to his people. Yet, the times in which he lived were difficult times. Near the beginning of his reign, the Assyrians came and took away the northern kingdom, conquering the the cities of Israel and taking their people and moving them out of that country. Shortly after that, within a few years, the Assyrians were back to take on Judah, to destroy Jerusalem and do the same thing to them. In fact, we read that Sennacherib, as the uh, leader of the army of Assyria, comes and they systematically take over all of the fortified cities in Judah till only Jerusalem is left. And they come to Jerusalem and Sennacherib writes a, a, a scathing letter about how the people of Jerusalem should not put their trust in Hezekiah. They should not uh, believe anything he says because they have the blessing of God Almighty. Your own God is said, we've come here to destroy you. And Hezekiah brings that letter to the temple and he prays. And God, through Isaiah, says to him, ain't going to happen. Because Jerusalem is my city, this general will never enter it. And God sends uh, something through the camp. They leave, and that remained true. Because Hezekiah was or because God was favoring Jerusalem. Jerusalem continued to be a city on a hill, something, a place where people looked to for hope, especially the people of God, throughout the times of Hezekiah. I can imagine that Isaiah probably wrote these words with him in mind because of that. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim freedom to the captive, to do all of these other things. Still, after Hezekiah's death, a hundred years later, it's not the Assyrians, but it is the Babylonians who come. And God allows Nebuchadnezzar to take Jerusalem. Jerusalem is leveled. And as the years pass, this psalm that Isaiah wrote takes on a, a different meaning. This song, which was written out of his own experience, takes on a messianic meaning. Surely there is someone else that is coming sometime who will fill this role yet again. As time passes, there is someone who comes who fills this role even more perfectly than Hezekiah did. He's born of the Virgin Mary. When he gets to Jerusalem, when they bring him to Jerusalem on the eighth day, Simeon sees him and says, now I can rest in peace because I have seen the Lord's salvation. He grows up. 
He's baptized by John. He's tempted in the wilderness by the devil, tested by God to see if he truly is a worthy candidate who will always do and be the messenger that God calls him to be, to play the role that he is supposed to play in the world. He goes home to Nazareth. Sabbath morning, he's given the scroll of Isaiah. He reads these words and he says, Today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. What was Jesus saying? He's saying that he has come to do, to fulfill this role. And then he goes about ministering for three years, showing how he does that. He preaches the good news. He proclaims freedom for the captive. He breaks the chains of sin and darkness. He blesses those who need blessing, encourages those who need encouragement. He challenges those who need to be challenged. And then he suffers under Pontius Pilate. He is crucified. He dies, he is buried, and he rises again. In doing so, he uh, ascends into heaven as the champion of righteousness, as the one who holds the keys of the kingdom, as the one who has been preaching about the kingdom of God, which is at hand. He becomes that shining symbol of God's faithfulness. And he is creating a people who are like oaks of righteousness, who demonstrate that glory of God in the world. That brings us to today. How do we fit into the story? A few days after Jesus ascended into heaven, Pentecost happened. On Pentecost, the people of, of uh, the disciples were gathered together. They were anointed by the Spirit with a rushing wind, with, with tongues of fire on their head. They were able to proclaim the good news to all people on that very day. Peter could have said, the Spirit of the Lord Our God is on us. And he would have been right. To proclaim freedom. To do all of these things that are mentioned in this passage. To point people to the one who is the servant of God. Who brings true freedom into the world. Whose lordship is for our benefit. Then I got to thinking that in, that in the same way that is also true of us, we are still, as the people of God, anointed by the Spirit to proclaim the good news, to bring freedom to the captive, to release those who are um, bound in their sin, to encourage one another, to grow a kingdom and priests of our God together. I love the aspect of they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. 
Think about what that portrays. An oak is a, a long, slow-growing tree. It takes years for it to, to grow to maturity. There's a process involved in that. And we know as we live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, there is a process toward maturity. We become more glorious for God as we grow in faith. That was true of the early church. It's true of us today. And together as God's people, we encourage one another so that we may be a display of the Lord's splendor. But the early church didn't stop there either. They couldn't keep this to themselves. They began to share it with the people around them. With Samaria, for example, Philip goes and he preaches among the people there. He's sent by the Spirit to talk to an Ethiopian eunuch, spreading the good news into a faraway place. And from there, it just continued to grow as the church continued to work in, together and to, to be together and growing in the Spirit. Reaching Antioch and then through Paul, reaching the rest of the world. That's still true of us today as well. This good news, this freedom that we enjoy in Christ is not just for us. It's for the people around us. It's for our world. It's for our country. We point to the one who rules from heaven, and we are his servants doing his work, being his people, challenging those who need to be challenged, encouraging those who need to be encouraged, loving those who need to be loved, and caring about one another. Perhaps then, we can still sing the great songs of our nation. Not perhaps as triumphal anthems like, look at us, this is how great we are as a nation, but in hope. Kind of reflecting back on, on the freedom that we have in Christ and the role that he has called us to play and that he may again bless our nation in ways that he has in the past. But all the while pointing to the time when Christ comes again, redeeming the world and establishing the kingdom of heaven truly as a kingdom on earth as well, as Revelation points out. So let us celebrate and proclaim, let freedom ring. Not necessarily the freedoms to do what we want, but the freedom to know that we are freed in Christ to live as God's people in his world, to his honor and his glory. Amen. Gracious God, you are one who works wonders in the world, wonders in our lives. We ask that you will take these truths that we have reflected on and by your Spirit anoint us to be agents of your kingdom yet again. As we look out at our world, at our nation, 
we recognize our situation. And yet we also recognize that we still belong or still have a great freedom to live in this place. Thank you for the opportunity to worship in, in freedom, in openness, to proclaim our faith, to be a beacon of light to the world, as well as to our neighbors. Empower us by your Spirit, and use us to point people to you in all aspects of life, whether it be government, whether it be, be in ministry, whether it be in the way that we treat people each and every day. Help your church, Lord, to be an instrument of righteousness that points to you, the righteous judge. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.